Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Derek O'Reilly, and for over 30 years, I've been a licensed London taxi driver. For 20 years, I taught the knowledge to prospective London cab drivers. During this podcast... I'm going to be joined by experts who are going to bring the forgotten and secret history of London to life. Now, as a London taxi driver, I spend many hours in my working day taking my fares to London's tourist attractions. And I'm ashamed to say that I haven't stepped a foot inside most of them. But I'm joined today by a good friend of mine who specialises in taking tourists around to these various attractions and I hope he's going to enlighten me. Hiya, my name is Jamie Cartwright and if you're ever interested in the finest walking tours in London, join me and my fellow guides at London with a local. The tours are free, also known as pay-as-you-want tours. Check us out on our website www.londonwithalocal.com Jamie, hello once again. Oh yeah, you alright? Yeah, I'm good mate, good. Right, where would you like to start? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sort of go in a driving order. Being a taxi driver, oh, I'm okay. going to have a little drive. So what we'll do, let's start at Parliament Square at Westminster Abbey. Now, I've taken countless people there, and there's a little taxi rank, and sometimes I work outside. So mm-hmm. let's start at Westminster Abbey. Okay, well, that's a good place to start, by the way. Perfect. It's one of my top attractions. I always send people there. Um, the Abbey has seen the coronation of every king and queen of England since King Harold in 1066. Now, that patch of land where the Abbey sits, it used to be known as Thorny Island. So it was actually an island with uh, many, uh, one of the many off-runs of the River Thames flowing around and past it. And as early as the year 960, records seem to indicate there was a community of Benedictine monks on that site. So it's been a religious site for forever, really. Um, The original... It's supposed to be... It was... There you go. Take that again. It was supposed to be a royal burial church on that spot, and that was for King Edward the Confessor. Right. Um, he was king of England up until 1066, um, from 1042 to 1066. It was completed after his death, so since then it was mostly torn down, but that was on the orders of Henry III, right. who built what we now see, and that okay. was in 1245. There have been few new additions, like the Western Towers, um, they're beautiful, and they were from the 18th century. But it's also the home of not just coronations, but weddings, like royal weddings in there. Like yeah. 
the Queen and Prince Philip in 1947. Um, the Queen's sister, Margaret, that's where she married the photographer, Anthony Armstrong Jones, Jones right, in there okay. as well. Um, Prince William and Kate Middleton as well. Okay, so... Um, moving along from its royal connections, which I know are many and splendid and historical, um, it's also got literary connections. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Buried in there, there there's non-royals, there's there's the area known as Poet's Corner. Right, that's what uh, I was alluding buried to. Buried in yeah. there. Um, Charles Dickens, Charles Darwin, Sir Isaac Newton, Rudyard Kipling, and even Sir Laurence Olivier. He's buried in there. The final burial was a couple of years ago. That was Professor Stephen Hawking. He's in there. Oh, is well he? Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he okay. may be the final one. They thought Olivier was going to be the final one, but uh, they made an exception with Professor Hawking. And I think is he that may be. due to space? or Yeah, they're running out of space there. Right. You know, it's, yeah, it there's over 2,000 people buried yeah. in there. And, of course, it's home to the tomb of the unknown soldier. Indeed, yeah. Um, sadly, one of the many un- unidentified soldiers' bodies brought back from the battlefields of Europe in the First World War. His burial in the Abbey represents the hundreds of thousands of military personnel who have given their lives for in their service. country. Yeah. Okay. And you can walk across all the tombs at ground level. You can pretty much walk across, but not his. It's roped off. Right. And quite rightly so. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's come out of the Abbey. Um, very interesting place. I've, something I've never been inside, but I will do. Um, and let's move around. Now, obviously, we've got Houses of Parliament. Yeah, but that's been a royal... And Big yeah. Ben. Yeah, of course. Um, but again, I'm sure you can tell me, Big Ben is the bell. It's the bell, that's right. It's actually not the name of the the, the the clock. Everyone thinks it's the tower and the clock So whenever I take a group there, they go, oh, it's Big Ben. I think, you've got good eyes. How can you see through those walls to the bell? Yeah. However, yeah. When most I tell people, people don't realise that they presume no, Big Ben is the no. tower and the clock, but it's, it's actually such the bell. an iconic name. You know, such yeah. an iconic structure, and it's so good to see it again. It Have you heard a story about they put the coins, the two pence coins, oh, to yeah, stop to the e- bell from shattering or to keep it even? Yeah, to even things out up there. I mean, the mechanism inside is just extraordinary. Yeah. And uh, during the Second World War, I, I would like to find records of this, but during the Second World War, when the bombs were raining down. Apparently one bomb hit the north side of the bell and bounced out and hit mm. the middle of Parliament Square, unexploded. And many MPs that were in the the shelters below the Houses of Parliament, they heard the, the bell go off and everyone looked at their watch. <laughs> they went, What's going on here? We've all got the wrong time. It's just they didn't realise what happened. There. And, of course, the propaganda in the newspapers followed on with uh, images of the clock tower holding cricket bats. So right. knocking the bombs. Now, I know you're an expert on London, and before we continue our tour, I just want to throw a question to you. Please. Do you know where you will find a church in London that plays the same sound as Big Ben, or chimes to the same sound? Well, it's Handel's Messiah, isn't it? The, yeah. the chimes. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, That's it. There's a church in London, not far from where we live, that Ooh. has the same chimes. No, you got me. Go for it. Right, it's St Pancras Parish Church is it really? on Euston Road there on the corner with sort of Woburn Place. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know they played yeah. the same So tune. next time you're walking past, just yeah. stand outside and listen to the chimes. Oh, fantastic. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a bit of that. Okay. Wow. So let's go back on our tour. Yeah, See, yeah. Yeah, I do know no, some things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're, we're Parliament Square. We've talked about um, Westminster Abbey, we've talked about sort of Big Ben. Yeah. Let's walk across, because the Cabinet War Rooms is quite a popular destination for tourists. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I will just throw in one last thing about uh, Parliament there, if you okay. don't mind. Just yeah, please carry on. Um, 
a big fire destroyed a huge chunk of the original building in 1834, and it was rebuilt into what we now have, the Charles Barry Gothic gem. But so prior to 1834, it didn't actually look like that. Is that no, what you're no, saying? completely different building. Completely ah, okay, different. Yeah. right. Yes, but it, the redevelopment is frightening. It looks so different, the old building, because it was technically a royal palace, the old structure as well. But this one was Charles Barry. I mean, the guy could do no wrong in my eyes. It's splendid. However, the oldest section, or one of the oldest sections that survived the fire, is the part that sticks out by the main road and that's Westminster Hall. And it was in there, this is where I always like to throw this out to people, I say it was inside there in 1305 where they had the trial of a Scottish rebel known as William Wallace, also known as Braveheart, also known as Mel Gibson. Um, <laughs> as for any movie fans there, I believe he was put on trial for historically inaccurate filmmaking. But that's just me. <laughs> well, to be fair to Mel Gibson, it. he does accept that he used a lot of poetic license to make the film. Oh, just a little. Yeah. Just a little. Unfortunately, though, many people take that as fact. So when people discuss Braveheart with me, they've basically seen the movie and think that they know facts about the man and, uh, okay. and, and the general yeah, story. All right. Yeah, all right. yeah, I'll let you off on that It tears me apart. When yeah. I have, and I, I have to correct people and I feel like such a wally when I have to do it. Yeah. I feel so fussy. I visited his um, memorial because he's got a memorial outside St Bartholomew's Hospital. Oh, of course he does, yeah, because yeah. that's that's where the deed occurred. Occurred, yes, where, where his execution yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah just absolutely. next to the meat market. So that's a, it. Yeah, there's, there's a plaque on the wall there. Yeah. Um, Protestant a, Martyrs Memorial, William Wallace Memorial. Yeah. So there's quite a few there. Anyway, let's go back round to... The cabinet war rooms. Ah, oh, the lovely war rooms. Well, if that's just to the right of Horse Guards Road, uh, yeah. the bottom of the steps there, um, the lovely Churchill war rooms, this, this beautiful labyrinth of corridors, and uh, that housed the, one of the British government command centres in World War Two. They were abandoned in 1945. The historic value of, of this little section here was recognised immediately, and they were preserved. They had limited visitors over the years, but were officially open to the public in 1984. It's had major redevelopment since then, extension of the Churchill Museum beside it, but it is still preserved. They filmed a few movies down there, like the Gary Oldman, Winston Churchill movie. Right, it was used um, in that film. That one, yeah. And um, is that The Darkest Hour, I think? Yeah. And yeah. Captain America, they filmed down there as well. Oh, did um, they? Yeah, for any Marvel fans there. And legend is, oh, please let this be true, legend is that while the Imperial War Museum were getting it ready for the grand opening, because it's one of the, the branches of the Imperial War Museum, while they were getting the war rooms ready for opening, a small box room was discovered which contained a chair, a desk and a single telephone. Oh, I've heard this story. Oh, I'm good. I'm Do glad you think it's, it's not true? just me. Oh, I don't know. Well, you continue it with the story. It sounds too good, doesn't it? Well, this chair, desk and a single telephone sat in front of this guy and... He picked up the receiver only to hear, hello, this is the White House, come from it. And that was the direct line for Churchill to contact the President of the United States. And, and they hadn't active. disconnected that. Hadn't disconnected no, I've heard it. that story. Whether it's true or not, I don't That's know. That's the thing. mate. Well, open up that phone bill. Good luck yeah. with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I've come to the actually, I've come to the conclusion that I don't care whether they're true or not. I find them interesting and oh, I absolutely. just believe Well, never, never let the facts get in the way That's of a good story. That's a good story. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, let's come out of the Cabinet War Rooms and let's head up towards Trafalgar Square. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Okie doke. So if you head up 
there's Whitehall Parliament Street, so you've got you know, Downing Street and the yeah, Cenotaph yeah. and the Monument to the Women of World War II, Banqueting House, Ministry of Defence, you've got all that staring Now, back Banqueting at you. House is an interesting story because somebody was executed. Oh, yes, Charles I, who was yeah. executed outside. His, uh, there's a, a bust of his head above the, That's right. above the doorway. And if you look across the road there to the clock on Horse Guards Parade, there is a little a black mark by the number two on the clock. That's because the king died at exactly 2pm. Ah, right, OK, because the story, again, is that he um, didn't want to be seen shivering and yeah. looked like he was scared. Yeah. So he did ask for another shirt to, yeah, he wore a couple to keep of shirts. him warm. Yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. He, did, yeah he didn't want the, anyone out there to think that he was you know, cowardly or anything no, like that. No, yeah. great stories. So anyway, let's continue on. I want to get up to Trafalgar Square. Well, that's the heart and soul of central London in the middle of the roundabout by the statue of Charles I, whose statue is actually facing down the street where he was executed. Maybe I'm being fussy, but I, I wouldn't want to look down there ever again, to be honest. <laughs> However, it's a perfect place for a 360-degree degree turn right there. You've got Nelson's column right ahead of you. We'll come to Nelson in a minute, but to the left, you've got the Admiralty Arch, giving pedestrians and vehicles access to the Mall. That was opened in 1912, a tribute to Queen Victoria. It was the residence of the first sea lord, and the Admiralty have used it, yeah. and government offices. But it's been redeveloped now, and it's due to open this year. It's part of the Waldorf Astoria hotel chain, and it's two luxury apartments in there as well. The apartments, six bedrooms each... The apartments, six bedrooms each, currently are on the market for £150 million each. Well, I won't be buying them. Uh, no, well, I'm playing the long game. You see, if you hold out long enough, the price comes down, doesn't it? That's, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. You just got to hold out. You just got to hold what out. What a fantastic place to live! Oh, tell me about it. Trafalgar Square on one side here, Buckingham Palace on the other, yeah. and there are worse views. <laughs> so the lions, a fantastic story about the lions. Oh yeah, you tell me. Okay, well there are several. They were carved by Edwin Landseer, the great artist, and he couldn't get a live lion to pose for him um, from London Zoo, but they said, we've got a dead one, you can have that. Uh, a recently deceased lion was delivered to his house. Different times. Yeah, Different times. but I was told that he had to hurry up because they were worried that the lion would start to mummify. Yeah, it was starting to sort of sag and yeah. just not really look much like a lion. So we got the front half done, but when that went back... He then used something else, easily accessible, because he felt the back legs of the lion were similar, and that was his pet Labrador. So the legend is they're half lion, half Labrador. Oh, believable. I, I want that to be true. Yeah. And there's that wonderful superstition that if the, if the clock tower chimes 13, then the lions will come to life. So if the half Labrador, just, just throw a tennis ball. <laughs> throw a tennis <laughs> yeah, ball, see what happens. Chaos. Now, um, obviously, that's also home to the National Gallery. Of course, yeah, the National Gallery at the And there's side. a little statue outside the National Gallery facing Trafalgar Square. We've got uh, George Washington. George Washington. Well, the reason I mention that is all my American friends, when they're in the taxi, I always show them George Washington. It just gets you an extra tip. <laughs> so, uh, from what I've been told... Tour guide told me this. I need to look into this. And I don't mention this on my tours until I have it confirmed. But George Washington once said after the uh, the American after the American British War War of Independence. The yeah. War of Independence, that he would never again set foot on British soil. So having his statue there could cause a problem. So that soil beneath him was imported from America. Oh, right. It's an interesting That's story. What I've heard. Right. That's well, again, as we've said many, many times, 
don't let the truth I, get in the way of a yeah, great story. I want that to be true very much. Mm -hmm. However, I'm I'm not convinced. So whilst you're in Trafalgar Square, any other stories for well, me? Well, where we got Lord Nelson, Nelson's column, etc. Most famously, died at the Battle of Trafalgar and his men preserved his body for the journey home by putting him in a barrel of brandy. Um, As you do. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Can't see why not. However, when they got to Gibraltar, which wasn't that far away from Trafalgar, in that short time, most of the brandy disappeared. And it would appear some of his men were having a sneaky drink, as it were, because they found evidence of a tap that has been added to the barrel. So a few of these men, I believe, were trying to absorb some of his courage, as it were, by doing it that way. And still to this day, we call that tapping the admiral. Oh, is that, that where that, that particular came phrase, from? tapping the admiral. And we still get several phrases from Nelson. Lord Nelson had so many reforms in the Navy when he took charge, but it's just common sense would have told you this. He circular plates on a ship, unless they're held properly, they fall off the, the shelves yeah, they're and gonna roll, are smashed. Yeah. And for years, the Navy didn't know what to do about it. And again, just common sense. He said, we'll make them square. Yeah, square plates makes and sense. And still to this day, we get square meal from that. So you, you get a nice square meal, and that's where they come from. And the thing is, in the square plates, they also carved a circle... And that's where your food had to be restricted to. Ah, oh, right. So the plate was square, but in the middle was a circle, and you ate your food from the circle. From the circle. Okay. And if your food got onto the corners, you were, you were almost accused of stealing more food than you were supposed to have. And those corners were known as fiddles. So if you'd stolen some, some of the food, you were on the fiddle, as it were. And still to this day, on the fiddle, all coming from Nelson. All these great sayings fantastic, have a, an origin, Absolutely don't fantastic. they? Yeah, brilliant. So let's leave Trafalgar Square um, and head up Strand. Indeed, yes. Well, up uh, Strand, that comes from the Anglo-Saxon word strand, which means... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The edge of the river. Oh, right. Well. would make sense, yeah. Because yeah. you've got all those buildings... As you as you're heading east, you got all those buildings on the right, like the hotels, the bars, and right. Am I right in thinking that the river actually came to that point? It did. The river used to be twice as wide as it is now in certain areas before the embankment was built. That was because of the great stink um, in the 1830s, the terrible smell because the sewage networks were not up to much anymore, yeah. and it was essentially just waste. The River Thames and the smell was. Awful. I mean, you could smell it from miles away. Right, so what do they do? They built the so embankment. They, they built the embankment with those incredible sewage lines underneath them. Those sewage pipes beneath the embankment are so big, you could drive a double-decker bus through them. Uh, yeah, oh. it's, it's a good idea if there's traffic. That. Good idea for traffic. Yeah. But yeah, those, and they're about to be redeveloped now. So they were supposed to last 100 years. Yeah, I think they are doing some work on them now. Yeah. I know Black Friday's from that end. It's been 150 plus. So they've done their job really yeah. well. That We've now got the super sewer it sounds like the, the worst idea Marvel comics have ever had. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's what's going in to replace those oh, ones. Oh, right. But, yeah, that, when you go down there, you, where you've got like, the lovely Savoy, keep going up, you've got the north side of Waterloo Bridge. Yeah. Lovely view over Waterloo Bridge, one of yeah. my favourites. Yeah. That, do you know what Waterloo Bridge is called or nicknamed? The Ladies, the ladies Bridge. bridge. Yeah. Oh, yes, built by an entirely female workforce. Well, it was yeah. because the, it was started, I think, about 1938, 39, and the war broke out. And consequently, the labour, the male labour, obviously was signed up to join the army. So they replaced it with female labour. So it got the nickname of the Ladies' Bridge. While we're on the subject of the war, can I ask you a question? Um, St Clement's Danes Church. Oh yeah, just I around pull up there. sometimes there on the side. There's a little taxi rank, and I notice the walls are in pretty bad condition. What's the story behind that? That was the bomb damage that they've maintained, as it were. They see it as a symbol of strength because the church was gutted in. 1940, when a bomb went straight through the roof, but the wall still has the damage from the uh, the, the sort of the shrapnel from the area, as it were. Right. Yeah. So it's genuine bomb damage on those walls. Yeah, unfortunately, that was one of Christopher Wren's churches. That one. Right. The, yeah. the church has another claim to fame, doesn't it? Oh yes, uh, there's the nursery rhyme as well. Um, Oranges and lemons sing the bells of Saint Clement's. Clements. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Taught to every child in every primary school in the land. Yeah. Quite rightly so. Now, when we leave Strand, we enter Fleet Street. And ironically, on the knowledge, um, some of the examiners used to use um, alternative names for places just to, to test the character of the knowledge candidate. And sometimes they'd call Fleet Street the Street of Ink. Right. Or one examiner used to call it the Street of Shame. <laughs> I've heard that one, You've yeah. heard those two? Good. <laughs> well, it's the home of the newspapers. That's right. But it was also home to a mythical character, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Just And once again, when I have to say to my group that this didn't happen, 
it again breaks their heart. The demon barber, Sweeney Todd. For some reason, he's on a par up there with Jack the Ripper in terms of the London mythology. Yeah, he is. But he never existed. He never existed. Um, it was a tale known as a penny dreadful. There's little books known as penny dreadfuls in the Victorian age. Very early Victorian, actually. 1846, that story came about. It was serialised over 18 weeks. One chapter per week was sent to the People's Periodical and Family Library magazine. Okay. It was a hit. And the original title was Sweeney Todd and the String of Pearls. And still to this day, it's debated who actually wrote it. We still don't know. Because I know Charles Dickens used to write sort of periodicals. He used to send his chapters in to see if basically people liked it. You know, he did that with Oliver Twist and a few of his greatest works. But whoever wrote this, their great-great-grandchildren are missing out on some serious royalties. Because the book, which I've got on my shelf, says written by Anonymous. So still to this day, there are a few Sweeney ideas Todd, flying the around. the demon barber of Fleet Street. Street. Yes. There, is, there are a couple of barber shops down there. Who trade off the name. The, yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah tra- Which yeah, is fair enough, if you'll oh, allow that to right as well. The yeah. shop was apparently situated at 186 Fleet Street in the book. Um, someone said to me recently that that's where there is now a McDonald's, but it isn't. I'm once again being fussy. It's actually... 186 Fleet Street is the DC Thompson Media Building, right? Which is where they print printed various things, including the Beano and the Dandy. Well, on a worrying thing, that McDonald's you mentioned, I think that's now actually closed. But I is think that's really? due, that might be more to do with pandemic than yeah, to do possibly, with, uh, yeah, with maybe any connection was, to Sweeney Todd. Yeah, Post COVID, probably didn't come back. So as we travel down Fleet Street, um, we cross over Ludgate Circus, and one of my favourite views is facing me. And again, to my eternal shame, I've driven past it hundreds of times. I've stopped and picked up from the taxi rank countless times. Jamie, I've never been inside. What, the Pret-a-Manger? Up on the corner there? <laughs> been in there many times, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm referring to that beautiful Sir Christopher Wren church. Ah, uh, the lovely St Paul's. A masterpiece. I mean, that defines masterpiece. Yeah, you know, he, he built over 80 churches in London after the Great Fire. Monday to Friday, after the Great Friday, he worked on St Paul's. Weekends, he worked on his churches. You know, it's just helping rebuild London, essentially. Very busy man, wasn't he? Oh, it's frighteningly busy. He never stopped, mm. never stopped. So what am I missing by having not been inside St Paul's? Well, my goodness, inside their tombs of legends in there. Christopher Wren's buried in there, of course. Um, on his tomb, it reads, If you seek my monuments, just look around you. Blooming show off. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he's entitled to it. <laughs> Too right and all. Uh, however, you've also find in there Nelson, from Nelson's column, of course, Battle of Trafalgar, um, Arthur Wellesley, the Duke of Wellington, and Alexander Fleming is in there, the man who... Oh, is he? Penicillin. Penicillin, yeah, right. he's in there as well. It's also a wedding venue for many. It's where Charles and Diana got married. Looking at that footage on YouTube, because the entire BBC coverage of that day is on YouTube... That was before the clean-up of St Paul's. It's uh, 15, 16 years ago, it went under the most dramatic clean-up. I mean, yeah, I remember it happened. The most intricate clean-up of every inch of stone. But in the early 80s, it was still a hangover from the industrial side of London. And it's covered in yeah. dirt and Many buildings and, were, though, that have yeah, been cleaned that's up, true, to that's be fair. True. Yeah. But of all the ones you'd think they would, you know, spice it up for, for the royal wedding... It's the main venue. And just on the outside, it looked, it, it looked horrible. <laughs> yeah. And when we leave St Paul's and we continue our journey eastwards... 
What's my next port of call? Well, if you head down, you've got Cannon Street. Head all the way up Cannon Street. You've got the north side of London Bridge to your right. If you keep going Let's quickly straight. talk about London Bridge because it's been replaced many, many times. Uh, yeah, I think there's eight London Bridges. Eight London Bridges. I think it's the most replaced bridge. I yeah. believe so, yeah. The previous London Bridge is still in existence. That's it's in, in a desert in America. Arizona, I Arizona, yeah, because yeah. the guy who bought it, again, it's one of these popular myths. They think, <laughs> or they thought, he thought he was buying Tower Bridge. Yeah. And I will quickly throw in a cab driver story here because the amount of tourists who get in, sir, I would like to go and see the London Bridge. And I always say to them, are you sure it's London Bridge yeah. or Tower Bridge? No, no, London Bridge. And as we drive onto it, they realise their mistake. Yeah. And I'm always prepared to go down Tooley Street and whip them across. Absolutely. But we won't do that. We'll continue across. Yeah. Well, what didn't help was a couple of years ago, there was a pop song called London Bridge and they filmed the video on Tower Bridge. And it was by um, a, a singer called Fergie in America. She was a member of the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, uh, OK. So she's to blame for the confusion. Well, I think <laughs> it, it was from decades yeah. earlier than that. However, yeah. I think she, she didn't help. Right. Now, again... To my eternal shame, if we continue across through East Cheap and out onto um, Tower Hill there on Bywood Street, there is a church. Oh, the lovely All Hallows. Yeah. Now, that claims to be the oldest church in London. Part of it is, yeah. The crypt is still down there. Right. Um, One third of the structure is roughly the original from the 7th century, 672. Oh, right. Okay. Unfortunately, the Great Fire, 1666, took away a huge chunk. That was also gutted during the Second World War. It was rebuilt. But if you stand just to the side of it, by the like, there's the front door on the main road. Yeah. But just around the side, it's three different ages of brickwork along. And it just, it works perfectly. You know, for me, that true perfection, it has to be imperfect like that. You can just see the rebuild down the, the years. Yeah. But they made no effort to blend it with the original. So you've got one of the medieval sort of sandy stone. You've got the white brick in the middle and you've got the red bricks. So they've the just right literally, obviously the builders who are ever yes, renovating yes, just got. See, that's what you've got. Yeah, it's a case of what colour brick. Oh, whatever's cheapest. Come on. It's one of those, but it is yeah. such a stunning building. Rebuilt so well. And obviously, as we pass that church, we're looking at the Tower of London. Well, yeah, talk about a next-door neighbour. Yeah, now, you could, we could probably make a programme alone on the Tower of London. I, I, I lived round the corner from there, and I had free admittance in as a resident of Tower Hamlet. Sadly, um, I never took the option up and moved away. So what can you tell me? What did I miss by not going inside the Tower of London? Well, well, there are the central tower uh, with four spires. That's the White Tower, as it's known. That's from 1078. That's when it was built for William the Conqueror. Right. Um now, here is something. The construction of the White Tower was supervised by a man called Gundolf. 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 He was the Bishop of Rochester. He also oversaw the construction of a tower, the Tower of St. Leonard's, which became part of Malling Abbey in Kent. Now, this may sound like an aside, but bear with me. The author J.R.R. R. Tolkien... Yeah. Before his Lord of the Rings fame, was a professor of Anglo-Saxon history at, universe, at Oxford University. So he would have known about Gundolf and his most famous constructions, his two towers, as it were. Is it a coincidence that he went on to name one of his greatest characters, Gandalf? Yeah. And one of the books is named The Two Towers. I am a geek. I make no apology. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, I just put no, that out I'll there take on my that on board. It's just, it's just something story. that's always struck yeah, me. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that. Um, 
It remained as one of the royal residences until the Tudor age, but it remained as a prison from the 11th century until 1952. Do you know the last prisoners that were held in there? The Cray twins. They were indeed. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie and Reggie Cray. And that was before they became the gangsters that we know. That's when they misbehaved on national service. Who'd have thought it? Two, yeah. lo- two lovely boys. <laughs> um, they were awaiting their court-martial in there. That's what that was. Um, when you go in there, you can check out the crown jewels and you've got the the the, ra- the, the ravens. Yeah, what's the, the story with the ravens? Well, the superstition is if they fly away, the building will crumble and England will fall soon afterwards. I mean, it's a long shot, but it's not worth the risk. Yeah. It is said seven ravens living at the tower will keep the building standing. No, six ravens, but they have seven. So six ravens is the magic number, but they have seven because they have a spare, just in case right. it goes wrong. And they have special, um, what, about, what can I call them, special officers who look after the princes. Yeah, there's the, uh, the yeoman guards, the yeoman warders, also known as the beef eaters. Um, one of them is the raven master who's in charge of the birds as well. Oh, right, okay. What a job title, the yeah, raven, master. raven master. It's very Game of Thrones, isn't yeah. it? Um, but yeah, the yeoman guards get to live there permanently. So when they lock up, they lock up from the inside. They've There are, I believe, 33 houses built within the walls of the Tower of London for the guards and their families to live there. And they can socialise because they have their own private pub as well through there as well. Do they? So it's the guards' own pub. Not bad at oh, all. Oh, so they don't have to go across the road for a quick pint. Absolutely. I mean, talk about a lock-in. You know, who's going to come yeah. and bother you there? Yeah. <laughs> and um, if we leave the Tower of London, obviously we've got that iconic bridge, Tower Bridge. Tower let's, bridge. let's finish our journey on Tower Bridge. Well, it's probably my favourite structure in the world. It's just perfection. Yeah, I'd say mine too. Yeah, it's just perfection. It was opened in 1894. And it's one of the most iconic buildings, not just in London, but the planet. Yeah. Everyone recognises Yeah, when that. you get tourists in the cab and they see the bridge, you can almost hear a whoop in the back of the taxi. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So yeah. on, the, on the tours we do, I have to tell them it's coming up because they need to prepare their cameras. The only time it could be a nuisance is if you get caught <laughs> yeah. and it's lifting up because you yeah. can be there for well, quite a while. when you've got the big ships coming through, when it's a good 20 minutes of them navigating that thing, yeah. 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 I've I've uh, I've been doing a walking tour on the bridge when the alarms have gone off to tell us in two minutes this bad boy's opening. So the tourists go crazy for that, you know. Yeah. So standing there on the bridge and seeing it open in front of you, just from yeah, it's an quite architectural and engineering point of view, you just think not so good if you've got a passenger this? in the back of the taxi and the meter's ticking over. No, that's there. true. That's they're true. Wondering yeah. what time you know they're going to get across. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what year was that big bridge built? Do you eight, know? Eighteen ninety-four. It was finished. It took eight years. Eight years to build um, it. And why did it lift up? What's the story behind that? Well, it was the the business of London, the central docks and everything coming through. So it would open up and down a, a fair few times every hour. Ah, uh, right. And it used to be coal-fuelled as well. Nowadays, it's a press of a button, it's all hydraulics, yeah. but it used to be coal-fuelled and the whole thing. Going, uh, so I can't imagine the waste of the coal that had gone into that thing going up and down. I mean, uh, actually, this is this has been embellished over the years, but there was a moment in 1952... And, oh, if camera phones were around, someone would have caught this. The bridge opened while a number 78 double-decker bus was crossing from the south bank. There used to be a gateman ringing a warning bell, and they closed the gates when the bridge was clear before ra- before the bridge was the- before the bridge was raised. I'll start that sentence again. 
There used to be a gateman ringing a warning bell and would close the gates when the bridge was clear before the raising of the bridge. Okay. A relief watchman was on duty and the whole process went skew-whiff. The south bascule had started to rise when the bus was almost at the centre. So the driver, Albert Gunter, made a split-second decision to just keep going. He accelerated and cleared a three-foot gap. Not much, but... More than enough if you're not Tom Cruise. He cleared a three-foot gap and dropped six feet the other side because the North Bascule hadn't started to lift yet. And he landed no serious injuries. And the bus landed? It landed somehow. A few sparks, but the suspension yeah. somehow... Sounds a bit like it. Evil Knievel. Ever so slightly, yeah. And uh, Albert Gunter, for his act of bravery, as it was known, he was given £10 by the City of London Corporation, which is the equivalent of about 300 now. Well, yeah. not a bad payday. Not a bad, but most importantly, when it comes to Tower Bridge, it is eternally attached to my heart, because on Midsummer's Day in 2009, I sent my wife on a treasure hunt through London, where I had several friends scattered around various landmarks, and they were handing her the next clue to come and find the next and the next. Eventually, she found her way to the top of Tower Bridge, in the centre of the West Walkway, that's where I proposed. Oh, Jamie, you are romantic. I know. I On that know. happy note, we'll say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you very much once again. Oh, it's been a pleasure, mate. Great to see you. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.